The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, It is going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky. Why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I speak in the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. There is a spot, a spot on the highway that runs between Highlands, North Carolina, and Walhalla, South Carolina. This spot is marked with a large sign. And the sign reads, Eastern Continental Divide. Below it is the altitude. It's 3,500, something like that. That's not what's important. See, I find this sign, this spot to be fascinating, intriguing. I've passed it many times driving. And what's intriguing about it to me is the thought that when it rains at that spot and all along the Continental Divide, rain that falls on one side will make its way ultimately to the Atlantic Ocean. Rain that falls on the other side will ultimately make its way to the Gulf of Mexico. Think about this for a second with me, how dramatic that is. During a thunderstorm at this spot, two raindrops will fall, simultaneously hit the ground a millimeter or less apart. And ultimately, one of those raindrops will end up in an an ocean over here and the other drop in an ocean on the other side of the continent. It's fascinating to me. It's intriguing. And this all came to my mind today as I was reading today's gospel lesson because I do not think it is a stretch to say that in our gospel lesson today, Jesus identifies himself as the, let's say, continental divide of people. Now, today's gospel lesson is jarring in many respects. Perhaps the most jarring aspect of it is just the very tone of these words spoken by Jesus. Hard words. And I'm reminded when I read these hard words of of a, a children's hymn, one that we all know, probably many of us as children were taught it and performed it. The hymn is, Gentle Jesus meek and mild. Now, I'm quite confident that this hymn was composed with the purest and best of intentions, 
Likewise, every time it is performed, usually around Christmas, it is with those same good intentions. Nevertheless, I have to think that probably generations of children through this hymn have been given a skewed vision of Jesus. You see, Jesus was loving. Jesus was compassionate. Jesus was generous. Jesus was giving. Jesus was forgiving. But Jesus was never meek. Jesus was never mild. This is the same guy who took cords and fashioned a whip out of them to assist him in overturning the the tables of the money chambers in the temple. This is the same guy who looked at his friend, his best friend, Peter, and said, get behind me, Satan. The same guy who several times, actually more than a few times in the gospel, is willing to look people in the eye and say, you hypocrite. Today, we have hard words, words about division among family and friends. These are hard words for us. But let me tell you, spoken in the context of Jesus' position and culture of the first century, these words were outright scandalous. Let me explain what I'm talking about. Today, there's no question that we prize prize a a family unit that is together, that is, in fact, unified, don't we? Unfortunately, it's also the reality that we do see a lot of division among families. We all know families where certain members of that family will not speak to other members. And some families where there's not only is there silence among them, there's out-and-out hostility. And so... We prize, we value unity among families or within families, but so often we fall short of it. Well, in Jesus' day and age, family unity was not simply prized, it was essential. It is here that the biblical scholars like to remind us that in the first century, the family unit was the very basic building block of society. And this is true not only among the Jewish culture, but among Gentile culture as well. You see, in that economy, in that culture, family meant security. It was the family unit that provided security in terms of employment a place to work. It was the family unit that supplied uh, stability and security in terms of a roof over the head, a place to sleep. It was the family unit that supplied security in terms of very nourishment, food. It was, in other words, the family unit that provided all of the very basic necessities for living. And so family unit was an absolute essential. Now, does that mean that they didn't have disagreements among families? Of course not. People are people, and yet they recognized that the family unit was so important that these disagreements could not be allowed to rupture the family. And so when Jesus speaks these words and essentially is saying that family members, because of him, will become so far apart that they're like those two raindrops I talked about, Well, I imagine 
that people gasped audibly when they heard these words. Now, to be sure, Jesus here is speaking descriptively, not prescriptively, meaning Jesus is simply describing what he knows will happen. He is not saying what he wants to happen. In other words, Jesus in our parlance is speaking pragmatically because you see, Jesus is saying this, is asking people to turn to him, to follow God, to follow him, and knows that in turning to him, that means they must turn away from something else. Specifically, Jesus is asking folks to turn away from the status quo of that culture, a status quo that had allowed all the money and power to be uh, held and concentrated in the hands of a very few, a status quo that allowed a culture to be developed such that widows, orphans, servants were seen as mere chattel, as simply commodities to be used and tossed aside on a whim. And Jesus knew that by telling people to turn their backs on that culture and follow him, there would be division because there would be people who will follow him and there will be people who persist in holding on to that status quo. And out of that comes division. Out of that comes that conflict of fire that he references. Likewise, today, Jesus is asking us to make a turn also, also to make that turn to him, to God, and in doing so, to turn away. Jesus is asking us to say that more important than secular values are the values of loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves, and saying that relatively unimportant are those things which our secular society values so highly, money, power, fame, (coughs) prestige, all of those things. And Jesus recognizes that as we do that, Divisions will be created. Divisions among people we know a little bit and people we know well because some of those other people will persist in holding on to what is important in our culture, our secular culture. And as those divisions deepen and broaden, we will be like raindrops flowing to separate oceans. This, of course, this division can also result in the fire of conflict that Jesus references. But, but there's a twin edge to that sword, and it's this. As we turn away from the secular culture to follow Jesus, while that may embroil us in outer conflict, more importantly, following that path gives us an inner peace, an inner lack of conflict that we all want so badly. And that, that makes the division in the conflict worth it. 
Now, before I sit down, what, there's more? Yes, there's more. Before I sit down, there is one more point that I want to make because it's a crucial one. I have been using, during this time up here, this metaphor of the raindrops and the, uh, the continental divide. And it is, I think, a very good metaphor. Of course I think that because I came up with it. But it is also an imperfect metaphor. It is imperfect in the sense that those two raindrops, once they fall and they begin their journey, there is no turning back. They are going to separate oceans. The same is not true for humans. We all have a choice which path to take. But remember, we all worship a God of second and third uh, chances of multiple chances. Despite taking the wrong path, everybody is given the opportunity by God to reverse that path. In other words, in the eyes of our dear Lord, no one is irredeemable, not one. And so whether it's a stranger, a friend, or a family member who might be on that path that follows the values of the secular world, that person is redeemable. And that person or persons deserve our constant prayers, our constant prayers that in the future, and I believe this will be the case, we will be united on a common path and find our ways to a single ocean that is filled with God's love. Amen.